Hey, y'all, this is Jeff Moore. Welcome to the Road Home Podcast. This is episode one. And the title of the episode is probably going to be a little bit different than what you've seen before. But normally, this is the parable of the prodigal son. But I like to call it the parable of the loving father. And in this particular episode, we're going to jump into the nature of God and what Jesus was really trying to tell us in Luke 15. But before we do that, I just want to lay down some foundational things. You know, when we're dealing with parables, you know, parables are stories that have a meaning. In fact, the word parable, I believe this is in Matthew 25. I'm not sure. The word parable, when you look it up in the Greek, means a comparison of one thing with another. Um, an example by which a doctrine or precept is illustrated. Um, it's a, And the last meaning is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And most parables are not, you know, true. They're not, I don't know what the word is, authentic, or they're authentic, but they're, they're fiction. You know, they're stories with a purpose. And so, um, so that's what parables are. And every time Jesus was telling a parable, he was trying to explain a concept uh, of the kingdom or maybe of God the Father or uh, of some spiritual concept, okay? Uh, but before we even jump into that, let me just say right now, uh, this, you know, if you heard the the introduction to the podcast, that this is a grace-based podcast, and it's my desire to to rightly divide the word. When you, if you, well, you know, Second Timothy two fifteen says to let me let me look that up real quick. It says to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it just stands to reason if you can rightly divide the word of truth, you can wrongly divide the word of truth. And a lot of the scripture has been wrongly divided because people do not know the heart of the Father. They do not know that God is is a God of grace. He's a God of love. And I can hear people right now, yeah, but what about his wrath and judgment? We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. But God, first and foremost, is a God of love. It's what it drives everything he does. He's not first and foremost a God for, first and foremost, excuse me, a God of wrath and judgment. Because that's not the picture that we see that Jesus paints. When Jesus tells parables in the scripture about God the Father, none of them <laughs> throw wrath and judgment on people. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and you've seen him. In John 14, 9, Jesus said, have I been with you for so long a time and yet you have not come to know me? He's talking to Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then the third one, the last one, John 14, 10. I'll read John 14. It's beautiful. John 14, 10 says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Now listen to this. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father, as he remains in me, does his works. And I believe there's even another scripture that says, every word I say, I hear the Father say. Everything I do, I, I, I have seen the Father do. Now I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. If we hear Jesus, we've heard the Father. Jesus, and I just remembered this off the top of my head, I think Hebrews actually says that Jesus is the exact representation. In fact, it's Hebrews 1.3 who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person 
This is talking about that Jesus is the exact image of God the Father. So knowing that, when we dive into Luke 15, keep that in mind. That when Jesus is telling this parable, he is telling us about the nature of God the Father. And it is not like a lot of us have heard growing up that's a God of judgment, a God of wrath, a God that if you do this or you do that, that God's going to get you. You know, I grew up hearing the words, God doesn't like ugly. I'm so, what? <laughs> God loves ugly. Yeah, he does. You know, he does. How many people in scripture were ugly and God loved them? Do you know how many misfits are just in the family line of Jesus? Are you serious? God doesn't like ugly. Are you kidding me? He loves ugly. He's the only one that can take the ugly and make it beautiful. So let's jump into, let's jump into Luke 15 uh, real quick here. And I'm not going to do the entire chapter, probably just the, the younger son, the prodigal son. So in the New American Standard, um, this is called the prodigal son. Uh, I like to change it and I'm not changing scripture. I'm just changing the title called the parable of the loving father, because the only thing that is constant in verses 11 through 31 is the character and the actions of the father. He's the only thing that's constant. It's really about him because the parable is not about the sons who are misbehaving. The parable, I think Jesus is trying to tell us, this is how your father is. Verse 11, let's jump into this. And he said, a man had two sons. This is New American Standard Version. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that is coming to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country where he squandered his estate in wild living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began doing without. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Let me just stop here and tell you that if you're a Jewish young man, one of the worst things you could do would be to associate yourself with pigs and feeding the pigs. Because they did not, I mean, that was a big no-no for them. 16, verse 16. And he longed to have his fill of the carob pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired laborers have more than enough bread, but I am dying here from hunger. I will set out and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired laborers. So he set out and he came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And this makes me laugh because we do this, don't we? Every time when we mess up, we we upset, we do something wrong with people here on earth, you know, at work, at school, at home. And we come up in our minds the story we're going to tell them. I mean, I've done this. I don't know if you've done this, but here's the son is doing this. And so the son <laughs> in verse you know, 18 said, this is what I'm going to say. In verse 20, he sets out, he gets there in 21. He says, Father. He's rehearsing his speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, but the father said to his slaves, did you notice that he didn't even respond to the son? He wasn't being rude. He just did not agree with what the son said about himself. 
the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Those are those may be those may be facts. But then he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father didn't even acknowledge any of that. He turned around and he said, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, slaughter it and let's eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. So if we tear that scripture apart, you're looking, you know, in verse 12 and 13, uh, let me, yeah, hold on just a second. Okay. 12 and 13, he says, uh, the son wants his estate. And you know, what's beautiful about it is the father gives it to him. He said, why is that beautiful? Even in sin, he honors the choices of the son. God is, God honors us. We have the freedom to make our choice and he lets us. And there's a, I mean, even so some, excuse me, even though some of our choices aren't good, it is a beautiful thing that God says, you know what? You can, you can have your way. It's, there's a little, there's freedom there. God is, God is free and he's created us to share in that freedom. It doesn't mean we always use it wisely, but anyway, so going back into, um, so he lets them, he lets them go. And while that's awful, there's there's a there's a beauty in that God gives him the freedom to choose. Um, so you skip down to verse 15. He says he went in and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. The word hire at hired actually means to join together. He joins himself too. It's almost like in the Greek the word means to glue. So he left one covenant relationship of safety, security, abundance, prosperity. And he went, made his own choice, and he went into another covenant relationship with people of wherever, whatever country he went to. That's, I mean, that's the way I see that, you know, and the beautiful, it's just, it just gets better and better. But when he came to his senses, verse 17, when he came to his senses, isn't that wonderful? Here's the, here's the, here's the thing you need to take away from verse 17. The beautiful thing here is that his son was made in the image of his father. And he retained enough of that image to realize that he did not belong in the mud of the pigsty. And just to reiterate, this story is about our relationship with God the Father. And the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing here is that we retain enough of the Father's image that when we come to our senses, we know we don't belong in the places that we put ourselves. But here's the question, what keeps us in the pigsty? So you know you're made in the image of God. You know he's your Father. You know he loves you. But why do we still wander and squander and wiggle around in, in the mud of bad bad choices? I think it's because we get under a, uh, we covenant with the enemy and we get under a blanket of shame, guilt, condemnation. And we say the same things to ourselves that the son said to himself, you know, when he came to his senses, I will say, Father, I've sinned against you. We're terrible. We're sinners. We're dirty worms. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I can't even, I can't go to church. I just can't. I've sinned too much. I've done too much bad. I've done this. I've done that. God can never, he can never forgive me. I can't forgive myself. And then he says, and I'm reading out of uh, verse 19, treat me as one of your hired laborers. That's a slave. Can we just say that? That is a slave. And isn't it interesting that, and I'm going to jump ahead here, when the father restores the son, in verse 20, I think 22, 
21, 22, and 23. He says, um, let's just jump into that. But the father said to his slaves, <laughs> it still makes me laugh because he didn't even acknowledge what the son had said. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe, not just the tattered robe, the best robe. This is restoration. He's restoring his son. The father restores us, not after we come and lay out a whole paragraph of, or a whole speech of why we're terrible and awful and why God, if I could just be the, you know, the doorkeeper in your kingdom, or if I could just be a slave in your kingdom. No, when you come to God, God, I'm not worthy. And you just beg God and beg. God. I don't know that the father hears that. I know he hears it, but he doesn't acknowledge it. What you're saying about yourself is correct. Your definition of yourself is not what the father says. Look, understand that. The son said to the father, verse 21, I have sinned. Okay, yeah, that's true. But the father is greater than the sin. He's better than that. I've sinned in your son. I'm no longer worthy. Is that true? Look at the father's response. This is God the father to us. Bring out the best robe. Let's clothe him. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. That's authority. We're going to give him his authority back and sandals on his feet. Did you know that only slaves went barefoot? Sons did not go barefoot. Mid Middle Eastern culture, sons did not go barefoot. Slaves went barefoot. Verse 23, bring out the fattened calf. That is a covenant meal. And just explain a little bit about covenant. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the Middle East, in those days, in those times, uh, when an important person would come into the village, into the town, they would take the best calf, the fattest one. They would slaughter it. They would have a covenant meal. They would celebrate the importance of that person. And the greater the importance of that man, that wom woman or whatever, the greater uh, the sacrifice. So maybe it wasn't a calf. Maybe if it was a, a lesser important person, it would have been a goat or, or a sheep or something or a lamb or something like that. But this was a fattened calf. This was a calf that was set aside for the covenant meal for someone super, super important. And this son is coming back. And not only does the father say, you know what? I'm not going to agree with the way you define yourself. I'm going to redefine you right here. And he says, best robe, ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Get the best sacrifice. Get the best calf we've got. Slaughter it. Let's eat to celebrate. Because the son of mine was dead. And now he's alive. That is the way the father sees us. Jesus is trying to tell us this is how your, your father sees you. Now, if God was a God of wrath and judgment, why didn't this father just lambast this son? Well, he didn't even agree with him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. At verse 22, I said, and the father said to his son, yeah, you're right about that. That's what he deserved, but that's not what the father's reaction was. The father restored him. Isn't that beautiful? That is, I believe, a that's correctly, that's rightly dividing the word. We have these preconceived ideas about God. And I don't know that any of them or many of them are true. Remember, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And if Jesus is telling the story about the Father, it means he heard it from the Father. Because he says, what I hear, I say. So when God looks at you, he cannot say anything other than this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter. If you've come out of a lifestyle of sin or or uh, uh, bad choices, God's God's joy, the Father's joy is in restoring you. You you know that what you were doing were were, were bad was bad. You know that I, I mean when I did it, you know when I 
made bad choices. I know, I know when I'm bad. I, I don't need someone to tell me that. So anyway, um, in verse 17, something else before we finish up for today. Um, you know, I did say that he retained the Father's image enough to know that he did not belong there. The courage is to get up and go in the face of the enemy's accusations. But in verse 17, you see something. It doesn't say he repented, but the word repentance in the Greek is metanoia, and it means to change your mind. And you see in verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses. But when he came to his senses, he said. Now, what he said was wrong. Father, I've sinned. I mean, no, he did sin against Father, but I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I mean, that that's not that's not correct according to the Father. He did sin. That is that is fact. But the truth is that he was a son of the Father, and that's the beautiful thing here. This is his aha moment. He came to his senses in the pigsty. He repented. He had a change of mind. And here's another beautiful thing. I keep saying the word beautiful, but when I see this story, doesn't that just doesn't that just resonate in your heart? Aren't you, isn't that good news that the Father is not angry? You know, the gospel is supposed to be good news. If the gospel includes a father who is mad at you when you do wrong, that's not good news. I can find that here on earth. That's not good news. The good news is I've totally screwed up my life and my father still loves me and he's not angry at me. Here's the thing about grace. Grace never cancels the relationship. The son's will to go out and do whatever he wants to does not negate the reality of the father-son relationship. The son always remains a son. The daughter always remains a daughter. You may reject the father, but the father will never reject you. And that is the truth of this story, of this parable, when Jesus tells it. Uh, we are going to stop there for today. I'm all, I know I said 15 to 20 minutes in the intro, and we're going to hold true to that. I hope you've been blessed today. This is in Luke 15, 11 through 31. Next time, we'll talk a little bit about the older brother, because he's not, there are two brothers here. There's a younger one, and there's an older one. So if you don't identify with the younger one, you're going to be, you're going to identify with the older one. So uh, you guys are a blessing. We will see you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to The Road Home. <laughs>